I'm Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm excited about another episode of our podcast. And as a reminder, we started this podcast last fall to highlight stories of faith and sports and the history of our organization as we launched in Selma, Alabama, May the 1st, 2015. So today's conversation is very special. I'm excited for you to hear from Selma's own Michael Johnson. Michael, born and raised in Selma, played high school football at Dallas County, went on to play at Georgia Tech, and now training to enter his 10th season in the National Football League. Very successful career on the field, but more importantly is his work off the field with the Michael Johnson Foundation. They're in Selma with job fairs, giving to schools, speaking to kids, football camps um, in Cincinnati, working with his foundation there with kids and schools and with the local police, um, recently nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, and the list goes on and on. He and his wife are currently living in the Dallas area while he trains for this 10th season. So I hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation. So without further delay, let's get right to it. All right, thanks for joining me today, Michael. We're going to start with a little bit about your background growing up in Selma. So talk about what it's like to grow up in Selma, a little bit about your family. Uh, I come from... First of all, hey, uh, thanks for having me. You bet. Like I said, I'm from Selma. Uh, I have a, a, a big extended family. My dad has a lot of brothers and sisters. Uh, I have a lot of cousins on, on my mom and dad's side as well. Uh, went, to, went to school there all my life. Uh, Bird, Meadowview, School Discovery, Martin Middle, and then Dallas County. And uh, I had a lot of fun growing up. I was always involved in a bunch of sports, whether it was uh, taekwondo, basketball, baseball, uh, football, and even when I was younger, gymnastics. And I did a lot of those things, uh, starting at the YMCA. That's where I spent the majority of my time. And yeah, just that's where I really developed a lot of a lot of my skills and, and athleticism. Really, just being there playing, and then when I wasn't doing that, I was. You know, at my grandma's house, or you know, playing there, or at my other grandma's house, riding four wheelers and stuff. So <laughs> we were always very active. See, I know growing up in some of myself, it seems like the YMCA was like the place to be in town as far as sports. And that's good, definitely. So before we start talking more about sports, this podcast we talk about faith as well. So um, did you grow, did you grow up in a family of faith, and you know, just kind of talk about your faith a little bit. Definitely from an early age, my parents ran a fellowship in Selma. Uh, we were part of the Way International as a biblical and research teaching ministry, and they taught me, I remember one of the first verses, they taught me Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents <laughs> in the Lord, for this is right. So that kind of set the, the, the foundation and the course for my life to follow. You know, once I believed that, everything else was easy. And then the second verse was uh, Philippians 4.13, where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those two verses themselves really empowered me uh, throughout my life. You know, one, I always listened to my parents. They had great wisdom and guidance for me uh, throughout my life. And then just believing I could do all things, not, you know, some things, all things. And I really took that literal. And, you know, I, I backed it up with with my work ethic. You know, also says faith without works is dead. Mm. So my mommy's always say, you know, you and God make a majority. You know, you can do whatever you want to do, be anything you want to be. 
and uh, it's, it's been true. And so I've, I've always carried myself that way, and I'm very thankful that that was instilled in me at an early age, from the, you know, that being some of my earliest memories uh, throughout life, you know, what you're going to fall back on. And that's what I've learned from the Word is, you, you know, you go to God with, with all things, you know, regardless of what it is, and He will supply every need, you know, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I think that's Luke 137. But that's, that's, that's why I am who I am because of my faith, you know, because of my believing. And I, I would not, I was just talking to my wife about that last night. I would not be where I am without that. But you know, you look around, it's like, you from Selma, you know, what makes you different than, you know, anybody else? Nothing, I'm, I'm not no special person or anything, but I believe God's word and I believe that he will do what his word says he will do. And I have always believed that and I'm gonna believe that until I'm, you know, I'm no longer breathing. That's good. That's very good. So let's go back to the sports a little bit. You played at Dallas County, um, recruited, um, highly recruited, both basketball and football, right? Yes. So what was the recruiting process like being Dallas County? Because I know, I mean, growing <laughs> up in Selma, there's not a lot of athletes yeah. that come out, so it's a big deal. And so why – talk about that a little bit, then why Georgia Tech? Well, that goes back to um, just – my mom, I remember when I, I wanted to go, originally I wanted to go to Selma High because mm. I came up in the city schools mm-hmm. and all of my friends were going there. And uh, and, I, and she was like, no, you know, that Dallas County is the best, best, best school for you. She wanted me to go to school with a mixed demographic. Mm. And as you know, the majority, well, all the public schools just about in Selma are all black. And she wanted me to have as much diversity as possible. Now, even though going to Dallas County, you only got black and white. And when I got to college and stuff and out in the world, it got even more diverse. But at least I had that experience under my belt. So it wasn't, you know, it lessened the blow of the culture shock that I was going to experience. So uh, I remember asking, I was like, Mom, how they going to find me here? She was like, hey, you good enough, they'll find you. Remember. God and you make a majority. Don't worry about that. You you put the work in, everything else will follow. So that's that's how I ended up at Dallas County. And then uh, I just I just worked my tail off. I had you know I had great coaches in uh, Tom Causey, Richard Bush, Coach Hyde, Coach Baker. These were all Coach Comer, football coaches and stuff that I had up there, and they played a, a big role in my development, you know, when I got there and teaching me how to get in the weight room, how to work out, train hard, and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, all along the way, you know, with that, I had the good grades. And and I, and, and that, that that was a, a staple throughout my, my elementary, middle school, and high school. So it was a combination of those things that allowed me to be uh, a, a good recruit, you know, that people wanted me to come to their school. And, I, you know, I started getting recruited as a sophomore. And I got some basketball scholarship offers first. But then my junior year, in the spring, going into my senior year, is when I started getting football interest. And I went to a, a couple of one-day camps that they do, like senior invite camps. I remember going to camp at uh, Alabama, UAB, and Georgia Tech. And uh, <clears throat> Georgia Tech, and, and showed their interest right away, and they ended up offering me, like, went to the camp on a Saturday, ended up offering me that Monday, 
and I molded for a couple of weeks, and I ended up committing, you know, right before we started school my senior year, and I, you know, I'm a man of my word. I stuck with my commitment, and it, it brought me to Atlanta, Georgia, which was also great because it was my first time, once again, being around that, that big, dem, you know, that diverse demographic like that. So that was an eye-opener for me to see people in person I had only seen on TV, different wow. people from different backgrounds, from different parts of the the country, different parts of the world. And so with me being in Selma, having only been around black and white people, that was that was very important for me. It, it, you know, you had to step outside of your comfort zone, outside of your box. And uh, it, it really grew me up a lot and, and got me prepared for uh, what, what was next, the next steps in my life. You're going from Selma to Atlanta, that is culture shock yes, in a lot of different ways. That's good. So you after Georgia Tech, um, going to get drafted in the third round. Talk about that whole process of just the whole the draft process. I know I mean, it's it every was, kid's dream, right? It was crazy. The and and I, I feel bad about saying this, but I was I was a little upset um, when I got drafted in the third round because going into my senior year, I was like, I was a first round projection. I was, actually had the highest grade of any draftable prospects. Hmm. And for whatever reason, uh, they, they I slipped throughout the year. I, you know, up into draft time to where they bumped me down to they felt like I was on a third round pick. And it just, you know, I, I've been, I, I fought odds uh, my whole life, you know, even just coming out of cell and being able to do some things that I had been able to do up until that point. And I looked at it as, you know, this is no different. I got to just go and show them all that they made a mistake with me and prove to them that, that I belong in this league and I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be successful for a longer time, a lot longer than a lot of people that they picked before me. Now, that's not a knock against the people that went before me because right. they don't pick themselves. But at the same time, it was my opportunity to just go and work and put my head down and show people what I made of. And I've always been good at that, putting my head down and working like I know how to do that. So what's the average in the NFL, three years? Three and this yeah, you're entering your what? Ten. Ten. So yeah. And I and I got many more, many more. So, uh, I, and I really feel like I'm not gonna speak too much on that. I got my my individual goals, and no, you know, I, I keep that for my inner circle. But team wise, I want to win. Absolutely. I want to win, and, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So, entering your tenth year, um, you've played with some quite a few teams. So maybe share. You know, a favorite memory, a memorable game, a memorable teammate. I mean, just what's a, what's a memory that pops out in your career so far? I've had so many. Uh, it's hard to to really put. Uh, um, I can't rank them, but, you know, like my rookie year, I come in and my first NFL game, we're, we're, we're winning. And it's late in the game. It's maybe like 15 seconds, 20 seconds left on the clock or something. And, and the Broncos, they had a ball on their three-yard line. They got to go 97 yards. It's third down or something. They throw a long pass. It gets tipped by us. And they catch it, and they go and score. And that's how I lose my first game on, like, a last-second play oh. for, like, 90-something yards. So that was my entry into the NFL. And just I, I've seen stuff like that go in my favor and – in the other team's favor throughout these last nine years. So it's, it's been very interesting to understand the importance of, of every play and every inch on the field. Every every play, every inch counts and matters. 
And, that, and that, I think that's part of the reason why I enjoy football so much because it parallels to life in many ways. You know, you have the teamwork aspect. You have the, you know, the working hard for, for what you want. You know, if you want to win on the field and in life, you know, you both, you got to work hard in both in order to do it. And nothing is going to be given to you. That's right. You know, in, in either one. And it also takes teamwork in both. Nobody gets to where they are in life without help from other people. And, and just understanding that, that also is going to be ups and downs. But you can't just walk off the field and quit. You got to play to the games over. The same way with life. You can't quit. You got you to gotta stay in there and keep battling. You, you wake up in the morning, that's another opportunity for you to put your best foot forward and just take that mindset of attacking each day. And uh, that's, I, yeah, that's, that's what I've gotten out of football. Like, just the parallels that it, it has to life. And and, and just, it, yeah, it's, I, I, just, I, I love the game because, I think because of that. That's very good. So, one more question on the NFL. I mean, most of us as fans, we see the prestige and the glamour, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everything is seems to be it's just this wonderful life. But, I mean, you guys have everybody experiences struggles and difficulties too. So what would you say um, to people listening that all they see is just the glamour of the NFL, you know, that, that there really are struggles and difficulties as well? It's a, it's a lot that goes into it. You know, I've had – in college alone, I had six surgeries in eight months. And a lot of people don't know that. And, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot of the stuff that we go through. But you're banged up. Uh, you know, you have to get ice tub, hot tub, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic. <laughs> and you got to figure out ways to fit all that in and still go to practice, still lift weights, you know. And that's just stuff you do for football. But we're not just football players. Right. You know, we're fathers, we're sons, we're brothers, we're husbands. And so we have to learn how to balance all of that. And then the pressures that come with performing, not every Sunday, but every day. Because mm. we're getting evaluated every day that we go to work. And, and you know, I say work because it is. It's a job. It's a full-time lifestyle job. Mm. Because, like, when the season's over, I don't just... You know, I'm not just willy-nilly. I'm, I'm, I'm finding ways to get better, to get my body healthy, to get myself feeling better. And uh, I've, as I've gotten older, I've done a much better job with it. I'm, I'm so thankful that I met my wife. She's, she's changed my life tremendously. And the way that I even approach the game, she's helped me uh, get with, with a trainer and doctors and stuff that, that have helped make me feel better than I've ever felt before. And so I'm thankful for that, whether I'm playing football or not, just the ability to feel good. Mm. And I think that's, that's going to lead into what we talk about next yeah. because that's what I'm, I've, I've started to understand. Like, you know, we all do different stuff, but we all want to feel good. And as a football player, that's the, the name of the game. Who can recover the quickly, quickest? Who can get themselves to feeling the best, you know, for each day, for each week? And that's, that's just some of the things that we go through. You know, my, my mom and my dad, they've seen it from the get-go, so they know all the sacrifice that goes in it. And, um, yeah, and it's just – a lot goes into it, but knowing what I've been able to do for myself, for my family, for my community, you know, I do it all over again because when you're going through it, it seems like a big sacrifice, but the reward on the back end and the reach that it allows you to have – 
is much greater than any personal sacrifice. So I, I try to think about the big picture when I do everything. You know, I I, I told my mama it's like I um I really enjoy playing football. I love being around my teammates and stuff. But it's it's a price to pay on your body and. You have to decide, you know, you got to make a decision like, you know, am I, am I going to do this and why, what am I doing it for? And for me, a long time ago, you know, I want to win and I enjoy being around my teammates, but for more than anything, I want to be able to help uh, promote positive change for mm. those around me. So that's what pushes me and drives me. And it's going to push me and drive me to do even more things than even I initially thought I could do. Right. So I'm excited about that because I think God has put me in this position to be able to do that. You know, he's blessed me to be able to be a blessing to others. And that's what I'm trying to do and I plan to keep doing. That's a good perspective. Because mm-hmm. most people just see it as, oh, they play a game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, they don't see the year-round. They don't see we're sitting here in March and you just got done training. Yeah. You know, they just see the this, this, and this, this, training camp and, that, and, and on. And I've been training since like January 12th or 11th or something. Wow. Like I haven't, I haven't stopped because it's a lifestyle, you mm-hmm. know. And, and honestly, you feel better when you just keep training. Right. Because if you stop, then you got to get back into it, and you can shock your body. Just keep keep going, and you, your, your body never gets, gets shocked, and you don't have to go through that. Yeah, that's good. So let's talk a little bit about off the field. You started your foundation. Um, talk about the purpose of it, and... Um, you know, I know you do a lot of work in Selma, but also in Cincinnati where you play. So just talk a little bit about your foundation. Well, the foundation started because uh, my after my rookie year, like I instantly wanted to hit the ground running, doing stuff. And my mom's like, "You need to." It might. I don't know when we actually incorporated, mm-hmm. but she was like, "You need to make a foundation." And it was like my rookie season, and so we got it. You know, see it first, vision for success, because that's what they always taught me, her and my dad. You know, you got to see yourself where you want to be. You have to, in your mind, your mind will take you wherever you want to be. Your mind controls your body, controls everything. So it's got to be in your mind first. Envision yourself doing things, and that's the message that we try to push out there to people and the kids while we implement different programs. You know, whether it's me going and talking to kids and teaching them you know, the, the type of mindset that was taught to me mm-hmm. or talking to them or, you know, donating money to, to different events and different things or putting on camps, going to camps, sending them to camps, sending them on trips. Like, whatever we're doing is with the thinking that, okay, this will help them envision themselves where they want to be. This will teach that mindset, mm-hmm. that train of thought because... Uh, once again, where I am now is a direct uh, result of what my parents put into me. You know, they put into my mind, mm-hmm. like they, they and they made me believe. And, and so that's that's what we we try to do. Whether it's in Selma, uh, Cincinnati, when I was in Tampa, Atlanta, or even now in Dallas, you know, I, I I'm just trying to. Help, I've always tried to help out where needed, and I've tried to always make myself available to that as long as it was something positive for kids, creating positive change for kids, I've always, you know, wanted to support. And that's that's just really it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's good. No. So I mean, talk about Selma a little bit. I mean we can talk all day about needs in Selma and, you know, what's going on there, but 
You know, what do you think is the biggest need or challenge facing Selma? Got to set the vision. Hmm. Got to set the vision and make it plain. If all you ever see yourself is as what your parents or your grandparents did, then that's all you will ever be. And we got to teach the kids to dream and think beyond what they see on the daily. You are not your environment. Hmm. Even though that's what you're around and what you see, that doesn't have to be your future if you don't want it to be. So with the foundation, we'd like to try to show them things and provide different opportunities. Even when I talk to them, I try to speak, you know, speak power and life and uh, encouragement into them. And that's, it's, it's, it's got to start there, you know, because I understand that everybody wasn't blessed with the parents that I had right. to, to, to put in them what was instilled in me. So, you know, it would be, it would be great if more parents would step up and say, okay, I feel short in this, but I'm going to push my kids further mm -hmm. and teach them that they can do more, you know, but I mean, it's in a perfect world, you would have everyone doing that, but that's not the case. So we try to step in where we can and just reinforce our message and, and tell them as much as possible and, 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 and show them. And we got, we got a lot of stuff in the works coming that, that, that we plan on helping aid that. And uh, I just, so far, the main thing, that the, the, my biggest thing that I've been able to do is my camp weekend where we have the camp and, and, and we added the educational piece to it and the, and the job fair and stuff on, on, on Friday and, and whatnot. So that's, that's really the, to, to, to bring the kids in. And we do it at Wallace to show them different jobs, different, different uh, colleges, different requirements that they may need and they may not know about. And, and that's that's part of putting setting the vision for them and encouraging them as they can do. And I wish more of the community would come out and participate yeah. in it. You know, like it's no reason that we should have open seats or right. open space in anything that I do. Absolutely. Because it's like I'm doing this for y'all. You know, I'm doing this to help. At little to no cost, right? The, um, the camp was twenty five. The, the camp is twenty dollars. Yeah, you're not gonna find a and football camp in Dallas less than one hundred and twenty. <laughs> and, and 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 the only reason I even charge anything is so that people don't use it as a daycare. Right. You know, like yeah. I, I want you to, so you can also feel like, hey, you putting out something and you you gonna receive because I, I don't make any money off of anything right. I do. Absolutely. And I want that to be known. Like I don't, I every, but it's volunteer work for me and all my volunteers to help so I don't expect to make any money like I'm trying to invest into the community mm -hmm. into the youth and I would like to see more participation and more like because the more participation you get the more you say okay they're they're being receptive they're getting it they're, they're seeing right. the vision when when I have a camp that holds space for 300 and I'm only getting 150 it's like wow they're not getting it they're not receiving it Okay, I'm gonna keep trying, but eventually, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna go somewhere where they will receive it, and that's the honest truth. I was talking to my mom about that uh, recently, and it's just, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I will keep trying, but you gotta go where the people want to help themselves. That's right. You know, I want to help, but you gotta want to help yourself for me to be able to help you. Mm -hmm. So. If, if you helping yourself is, is just, 
you know, coming out to one of these things, then so that's then that's good. That's a step in the right direction. But uh, I, my, my, I know my, my foundation and my staff of people that I have down there working every year and helping out with everything, they, they put so much time and energy into it. I, I want them to be able to see the results from their work and their effort. You know, right. you know what I'm saying? Because they, they're not paid to do any of that either. And, you know, they're on ground zero making it happen. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do any of this right. stuff. And so I want, I want it to work more uh, not just you know for me to see it, but I want them to for them to be able to see it as well. And at the end of the day, for the kids to be successful, but I've always said if I get one, you know, to understand and receive, then you know we then we we've made we've made we've an impact. yeah we made an absolutely. impact absolutely. But there's no reason that we shouldn't get even more. I agree absolutely. So you mentioned a little bit earlier about the focus on health and wellness so there is a shift this year in your event no longer football camps to talk about your your event that's coming up in april and why the change from the football camp to more of the health fair well we we still gonna do the educational stuff on on third on friday Mm -hmm. and uh but saturday we're going away from the football camp just going back to what i what i talked about is being uh i just don't feel like it was it was taking advantage as much of the platform as, as I could, because I have a play, I play in the NFL. I bring NFL guys down every year, you know, multiple. And these kids have opportunity to come and learn from them. That's cool, that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, I feel like uh, I go around the country talking to people about health. Around the country, you know, I'm, I'm the NFL Play 60 ambassador and a few of to play 16 bounds before the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. So I talk to people about eating right and exercising all over the country. Why am I not talking about that in Seattle? Hmm. I think it's I think it's even more important that I, that I share with people how to feel better, how to get their health up. Because no matter who you are, how old you are, you want to feel good. So that's why we're having a shift to that, and hopefully we'll get even bigger draw. You know, because I I, I just think that's my best way to invest in the community is to make it feel better. Because once you feel better, then you're able to go out and do things that you may not have been able to do before. Mm. Just because you feel better, at least I know it is that way for me. Absolutely. The better I feel, the more I can do. Um, because if you don't feel good, you're not being your best self mm. for everybody. You know, you're not being the, the best husband, the best father, the best friend. Because you don't feel good. You're, you're, you, you, don't, you don't have the energy to be who you can be. And what we're going to do is we're going to be showing them different ways, different diets, different ways of exercising, simple things that they may not have thought about that's right under their nose that everyone can be doing to make themselves feel better. And uh, we got some other stuff in store, and we're just going to keep on pushing that. I think that's an angle that that needs to be worked. And um, with the things that's going on in our community down there, especially just in the deep south with the diabetes, the high mm-hmm. blood pressure, and things of that nature uh, is health is is of utmost importance, and, no, I and we need to Absolutely. we need to address that. that if I want to really help Selma. Uh, it's it's been put on my heart to do it that way. I think that's excellent. Yeah, when Jamie was first telling me about it about three or four weeks ago, it's like, wow, why has that not been at the forefront in the past? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. you want to change a community. That's very good. I want to go back to the NFL on a on kind of a hot topic, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, received a lot of attention this last year, actually a lot of division, the national anthem. 
protest. I mean, I, I, the purpose has been clearly stated about police brutality, but you know, kind of give your perspective from a player's perspective because there's a lot of people that see it as you know the argument over patriotism versus not. You know, so what's, what what would you say is your perspective, or how would you explain it? When it first started in 2016, I asked my dad about it, and uh, his stance was, and a little background, my dad, Sam Johnson, he's from uh, Selma, he's a Purple Heart recipient, Marine, Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and uh, he, you know, as a as an African-American, a black man that, that went over to Vietnam to serve his country, during a time where he didn't have the same rights as others in his country. Mm. Same as people, African-Americans that went to fight in the Korean War, mm-hmm. World War II. So as you can see the trend, you know, when, when you talk about patriotism, I don't think there are any greater patriots than a black man that went and fought for a country that he didn't even have equal rights in. Wow, that's good. You know, now, his take on it was we fought for people to have rights, you know, to protect their rights. So if someone wants to kneel to protest, then they had a right to do that. And so he told me, if I wanted to do it, cool, do it. We went back and we talked. My dad's a very wise man, very wise. I don't know anybody wise. We went back and talked later in the week before the, before the game. He said, you know what, I thought about it. You don't need to do it. He said, not because of, you know, it's right or wrong, but because Colin has done that. He's, he started the attention. You now need to start taking the steps to improve mm. on what he's trying to get to. He started that. So, you know, he, he took the knee. He, he made it a, a top. He, he brought the attention. So now it's up to you to, to, to start putting the action behind it mm. to help improve it. And so from my, how I wanted to attack it was doing what we were doing is, is having kids and law enforcement officers meet to relax the tensions on both sides because fear is fear. Mm-hmm. It's based, all this is based in fear and misunderstanding. You know, officers being afraid of the people they're pulling over, not understanding, and then civilians getting pulled over, being afraid of officers and not understanding. Police officers and law, law enforcement have a very tough job. Hands down, period. They got one tough job. And... Uh, People, people need to understand that. that. And so what I've tried to work is I've tried to get an understanding of how to, how to respond when you are approached and pulled over by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if they're bad, good, or whatever, they're always going to be bad apples. No matter what field you're in, it's going to be bad people. You can't avoid that. So what do we do? Okay. We, we, we be in compliance. We, you know, if they ask for ID or whatever, just, just, just do it. If they violate your rights, do not cause a scene because the main thing that you want is life preservation. Hmm. Don't do anything that will startle them or anything that will get you killed. 
I think back to the Philando Castile thing where he he tells him, uh, I have a I have a per, I have a weapon, I have a permit. He's like, show me the permit. He reaches for the permit, he gets shot. You say, hey, what do you do in that situation? Personally, I say I don't even tell him. And I, I that, and that may be legal, but with everything that's going on, I'm not even gonna do anything to put the the, the law enforcement in a situation where he feels like I'm a threat, where he feels like, you know, I'm, you know, and if I get in trouble for that down line, then that'll be my argument. That people have been getting killed for reaching for things. I'm not going to reach for something in front of you. Right. You know, I'm going to do whatever. Also, it, it's like, we tell them, you know, you get pulled over, have your your license and insurance registration already there so that you're not fumbling mm-hmm. and reaching for having it in like a little envelope or something so you can just grab it okay. and have it ready for when they get there. It's little things like that that can ease situations. On the law enforcement side, to weed out the bad apples, when, 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 when we are in the right as civilians and officers still violate our right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta file charges like against them. And, and we gotta do our best to, to get these convictions against them. And, and it, it's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in, but it, 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 as uncomfortable as it is, we just got to do our best to make them uphold the law amongst civilians and amongst themselves. And so if we get to the point to where we're all, you know, being peaceful with one another, then we, I, I really feel like we would see less of that, you know, um, and, and hopefully, you know, start getting some convictions when the officers are in the wrong. But unfortunately, the way the system is set up, like, you have to be 100% in the right mm-hmm. if you're a civilian when you're dealing with officers. Anything that's not, they'll end up getting off. And so, if you file complaints and stuff, and then they start ha- handling these people that had, like, I hate when they say, oh, this guy killed somebody, he had 20 complaints. Why was he still out there? Mm. So we got we got to crack down on that. So that's the approach we got to take on the law enforcement side, and then on the civilian side, just being in compliance and you know putting it every each side putting the other side at ease, and 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 people understanding that every time you act out, you know either on the officer side or the civilian side, you're putting fear into the other side. You're putting you know, un- un- uneasiness because mm. they're going off of what they see. And man, I, I mean, it's, it's I, I could talk on that for hours, right. you know, but but I, I think that back to the original question with with the with the, with the kneeling and stuff, like I said, it's, in, it's, it's within their right to do that. It's, you know, it's, in your, it's, in your, it's a peaceful protest. You know, you can look at other protests where where people get killed, mm-hmm. you know, and no one's getting hurt, no one's getting killed. I don't want people to use to hide their racism behind the term patriotism. Don't do that because yeah. a lot I saw a lot of that going on. That's right, absolutely. A lot of that going on because if you honestly think that things are right in this country, you you got on beer goggles hmm. and um. It's only gonna change, you know, one person at a time. Really taking it upon themselves and asking, "Am I a part of the problem, or am I part of the solution?" Am I perpetuating the mindset that this group of people are less than me, 
and you know, and I'm above them, and or or am I treating everybody equal, treating everybody with respect, and expecting the best, expecting the positive out of people instead of approaching them expecting something negative. That's good. I mean, you're I mean, you're a great example of being trying to be part of the solution. You talked about bringing kids in front of the Cincinnati police and. And because of that, this year you're nominated for the, you know, a prestigious award, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. You know, so kind of talk about that process of, or maybe give the listeners just a brief description of what is that award and, you know, why is it such an honor to be that nominee? Because I know on social media, the weeks leading up to it, I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. It, was, it seemed like it was... Uh, it, was it was fun to be nominated, but, you know, I, I tell everybody, and everybody know me, you know, I don't, I don't do anything for any type of publicity right. whatsoever. I really want positive change mm-hmm. in whatever I'm doing. And so to be recognized by my team and by the NFL, it was cool. J.J. Uh, Watt ended up winning for his work with uh, the Houston Hurricanes right. and stuff, and you know, hats off to him for that. But I've been doing stuff in the community you know, for over a decade. Right. And I'm gonna keep doing it, whether I get recognized for it or not. Uh, God sees all. And I'm just thankful I'm in a position to help. And he's blessed me with that, this platform. And I'm going to continue trying to be a blessing to others in, in any way I can. Good deal. Um, I had a couple more questions, but I think you've actually already answered them about encouraging student athletes, um, you know, just about seeing, having a vision and going after it. So I appreciate your time, Michael. And it's finally good to connect with you and, and have a conversation with somebody else from Selma. And, yes, sir. And talk about, you know, being a part of a solution. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. What a joy it was to just sit down with Michael and talk about growing up in Selma, talk about his family, his journey to the NFL, um, training to enter his 10th year, um, which is very rare because you heard him say in there that the average um, NFL player makes it um, about three years, and he's probably in the best shape he's ever been in. But most of all, just hearing his heart for the youth of today, giving back wherever he is. Um, he has given and served the city of Selma more than anybody knows um, through football camps, through sending um, young men to, to camps, to giving to schools, to um, speaking, and now launching this health and wellness fair which I am really excited about. I think it's something that is really needed, not just in Selma, just to teach young people about health and wellness and taking care of themselves. But um, his, his passion is giving them a vision, helping them understand that God created each one of them for something special. And they need to um, recognize that, that they are special, that they need to have big dreams, big goals, and go pursue it. So again, just very grateful for Michael and his heart and his availability to share with us. Um, Thanks for listening. Um, We ask you to uh, go to iTunes podcast, search All In Sports Outreach, and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the more visible this podcast gets, and we just want to be faithful with the platform that God's given us through media um, to share these stories of faith and sports and and encourage you in your walk and your daily life. Um, And lastly, we love hearing from you. Go to our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach. You can send us a message there. Um, Also, you can keep up with us. Um, Find out how you can be praying for us, how you can serve with us, how you can give to help us continue this 
this push forward of bringing people together and teaching them about Jesus. Or um, visit our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Again, there you can find out anything and everything about our organization, who we are, what we do, but more importantly, why we do it. So thanks again for listening, and until next time, God bless.